Welcome to the Practice of Theology. My name is Tyler Kirkpatrick, and in addition to hosting this podcast, I serve as one of the pastors of Cross Point Church in Columbus, Georgia. The Practice of Theology exists to help the local church engage theology on a deeper level and learn how it applies to daily life. Today, we have the privilege to enter into a conversation with Dr. Donald Whitney to discuss the topic of spiritual disciplines. Dr. Whitney is Professor of Biblical Spirituality and Associate Dean at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Prior to his ministry as a seminary professor, Don was a pastor for more than 24 years. In addition to his pastoral and seminary roles, he is also the founder of the Center for Biblical Spirituality, which exists to help the local church better understand and practice the spiritual disciplines. Don is a highly sought conference speaker on the topics of personal and congregational spirituality and has authored a number of books on these topics, including Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Church, Family Worship, and Praying the Bible. Don has also written articles for organizations like Crossway, The Gospel Coalition, Desiring God, and The Ligonier Ministries. To find out more about Don, you can check out his website at biblicalspirituality.org and follow him on Twitter at Don Whitney. It really is a great honor to have Don Whitney on the podcast, and I trust this discussion will help equip and encourage you as you seek to faithfully engage in the spiritual disciplines. All right, Dr. Whitney, thank you for joining me on the Practice of Theology podcast. You're very welcome, Tyler. It's great to be with you. Yeah, well... Um, this, uh, this subject will be very familiar to you, uh, and it's one that uh, I think is foundationally important to the life of the church and the life of individual believers, uh, and that, of course, is spiritual disciplines. So to start off, I don't want to assume that everybody knows um, the language of spiritual discipline or even what they are. So if you could, could you maybe define uh, in, in an overarching way, what is a spiritual discipline? And then could you maybe define um, each and then speak to them? Well, the biblical or Christian spiritual disciplines are those um, spiritual practices found in the Bible by which we uh, experience God and grow in grace. Mm-hmm. So, again, they are their habits or practices. They're not character qualities. They're not graces. They're not the fruit of the Spirit, though that's the goal. Um, the goal is godliness, and this comes from 1 Timothy 4, 7, which says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Mm-hmm. So, three parts to that. Discipline yourself for the purpose. There's a purpose, not just to practice the disciplines. The purpose is godliness, Christ-likeness. So, intimacy with Christ, conformity to Christ. How do we get to that? Well, we don't just wait patiently for God to zap us with godliness. Rather, we're instructed to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. And historically, the, the, the ways the church has understood, the biblical ways by which we obey that verse have become known as the spiritual disciplines, practices, mm. things you do, things found in the Bible that are not uh, mechanical or automatic, they must be done with the right motive, but they are the means to godliness. And so, uh, Bible intake is one of those. You won't be godly apart from the intake of the Word of God. So, mm-hmm. to discipline yourself, to develop the habit of getting into the Bible, that is a spiritual discipline. Right. To pray is another spiritual discipline. And there are, are many others, but perhaps it's most important to understand the distinction between personal spiritual disciplines 
and interpersonal spiritual disciplines. The personal disciplines are the ones you practice alone, and the interpersonal ones are the ones you practice with other believers, usually with the church. So, for example, to pray alone is a personal spiritual discipline. And we're to do that. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door. Your father who sees in secret will hear you. Mm-hmm. But the Bible also teaches us to pray with the church. So that's an interpersonal, corporate, congregational, spiritual discipline. We're to get into the Word of God individually. We're to get into the Word of God at the church, hearing it preached and read and taught. So that's another very important uh, distinction. And Mm -hmm. so often uh, when people speak of them, and maybe that's where you want to go today, people tend to think only of the personal spiritual disciplines. Right. But it's it's the, the... Congregational ones are at least as important. We want to experience God fully. We want to grow in Christ as fully as we uh, need to apart from uh, the local church. So, uh, and finally on that, you said to cover them, there is no, there is no official list of what the spiritual disciplines are. <laughs> right, right. The personal or the interpersonal one. And, and though we can approximate them fairly closely, the reason is... Uh, what some consider a discipline, others consider just obedience. Yep. So, for example, some will talk about the discipline of of loving one another. Well, is that a discipline or is that love? Just obeying the command to love. Uh, uh, an easier one is evangelism. Right. I included in my book, I believe it is a spiritual discipline, but it's also just the overflow of the Christian life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that should just spontaneously flow out of our Christian life when the opportunity happens. But nevertheless, I contend that we also must discipline ourselves and intentionally put ourselves in situations where we can uh, share the gospel with people. Right. And so that's why you don't have an exhaustive list. Uh, you know, it just depends on how you define some of the terms as disciplines or not. Right. Well, and I think that's an important distinction as well. Um, um, and and there's a lot of uh, flexible space in there. And I think sometimes we want definable lists because we want to know like, okay, well, what do I have to do? And that's kind of the the extent to which we want to go. <laughs> so yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. Um, so being a spiritually disciplined person, kind of starting on this road, is that something that uh, mature Christians do, or can can new believers or immature believers, can they expect to be able to practice these disciplines as well? Well, they must be practiced by, by all Christians. Uh, I mean, it's because some of them are just organic to mm. believing the gospel. Mm. If you believe the gospel, that turns you into a praying person. Mm, right. uh, the reason that Romans 8 tells us, you know, that the Spirit causes us. We don't just choose this. He causes us to cry out, Abba, Father. Mm. And so, uh, in other words, you, you know, those who dwell by the Spirit have this new Father word, this heavenward orientation they didn't have before. So it turns them into a, a praying person. And, you know, it would be legalistic to, to try to put uh, something on people that the Scripture doesn't in terms of you must do this this often and for this long, and then you must do this discipline this often and for this long, because the Bible doesn't do that. However, we can say, if a person doesn't have an appetite for those things, 
then it, it really brings into question their faith because the spiritual disciplines are the means by which we in experience and enjoy God. Mm. And if a person doesn't have an appetite for the things by which we experience and enjoy God, you have to ask, do they have the Holy Spirit? Do, mm. do they know God? Uh, the Bible seems to indicate that people who know God want to know him more, want to know him better. They, they can't get enough. And the spiritual disciplines are the means by which that happens. So this isn't just some idiosyncratic thing by you know certain dedicated Christians. These are the means by which every Christian can experience God. I mean, it's sort of like the you know the historic question of if a person never comes to the church, are they a Christian? Well, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian, but coming to church is where you experience God. You mm -hmm. experience the fellowship of believers. Uh, their experiences with God you will only get through the the congregational experience. And this is where God is most glorified. His 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 word is proclaimed. The gifts of others are experienced most easily and readily. And and you don't have an appetite for that. Well, mm -hmm. that's why John could say. Um, you know, by this we know we've passed out of darkness into light because we love the brothers. We can't imagine life apart from them. Right, right. Um, yeah, that's helpful. So, so, so we understand that these are kind of identifiers, uh, maybe even fruit of what we would say is sincere, real faith. Uh, so, let's say we have an immature believer, or maybe even just a new believer, and and they want to be disciplined in their spiritual life. They want to practice these things. Uh, where do they start? What, what do they do? Well, the, the most important are the intake of the Word of God and prayer. Mm -hmm. And all the others flow out of those. And, and those two are quality control for all the rest of the others. Mm -hmm. And so I always say to people and to people who are teaching others about the spiritual disciplines, if your people aren't in the Word and praying, forget journaling. Forget mm. fasting. For, forget the other disciplines. Uh, and that's a temptation because sometimes people will say, look, I've been in church all my life. I, every every Sunday, one way or the other, somebody tells me I need to be in the Word, and God, Word of God in prayer. Okay, I get that. Can you talk about something a little more exotic <laughs> for a change? Could you talk about silence and solitude? Could you right. talk about fasting? Well, I'm happy to do that because I think the Bible does. However, if a person isn't in the Word of God and praying, then forget those others because right. these two are the most foundational. Mm. So that's where they, they should start and make sure that they're consistent with those. But your question kind of implies, okay, where do they start? If they're, if they're at that point, maybe they need to do some reading mm. or some, uh, you know, get some uh, counsel from a godly Christian who can say, okay, let's talk about fasting. It's in the yeah. Bible more often than something as important as baptism, or let's talk about evangelism, or let's talk about these other disciplines found in the Bible. And in other words, th they need some teaching. Mm. And whether that teaching comes from a book or whether it comes from another believer or both, um, if, they, if they don't know where to start, well, I mean, all, all Reformation begins with teaching. Yeah. Whether that's in the life or in the church, you can't expect people to do what they don't know how to do. So uh, we want to bring them along at uh, you know a pace they can handle in terms of teaching. Mm. And that's a, that's a good point too, because I think a lot of times, um, yeah, I mean these things are really good. I mean even this podcast can it's it's going to be helpful to somebody. But one of the things I think we can often do is forget that as the body of Christ, we who would consider ourselves mature believers we have the ability to uh, bring people into our realm of spiritual discipline. 
to help them to learn how to engage the Bible, to help them to learn how to pray. Uh, mature believers can take those things upon themselves. It's not just for uh, the pastors of of the church. And so I just as an encouraging word to anyone listening, if you are a mature believer, you can do these things and bring people along with you. You've pretty much already hit on this, but I do want to ask it just very specifically. Um, how do the spiritual disciplines uh, help to grow us in our faith and to live uh, more faithful lives? Well, as I mentioned, the Bible explicitly teaches that. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. If your goal is godliness, and it is if you're a Christian, because uh, the Bible teaches that. In Hebrews 12, 14, we're told to pursue the sanctification or holiness, godliness, Christ-likeness, without which no one will see the Lord. So anyone who's not pursuing Christ-likeness, godliness, will not see the Lord. Mm. And it's not the pursuit that qualifies us to see the Lord. We're, we're qualified to see the Lord by the Lord, not by our pursuit of holiness, but by uh, his life, his death uh, for us. But those who have believed in Christ are given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, as I mentioned before, gives us these appetites, the, these aptitudes, these longings and hungerings for holiness. And we want to be with Christ. We want to experience God. We want to become more like him. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in mm -hmm. all believers. So um, that is the work of the Holy Spirit to give us that desire. And the Bible clearly says then, if your purpose is godliness, Christ-likeness, mm -hmm. how do you get there? You discipline yourself. So the Bible explicitly says the disciplines are the means to godliness. Mm. So I, I said all that to say that the, the Bible teaches that the disciplines do are, are the means to godliness mm. and that the Holy Spirit gives us the desire and hunger for godliness. The Bible teaches us that the disciplines are the means to godliness. So the way to get to your point now, the, the way to that, that this happens is the, the Holy Spirit has uh, an illustration I used has has built several highways mm. upon which he regularly travels. Mm. We can call those the spiritual disciplines, but things like a biblical congregational worship. He has ordained that if you will pull yourself onto that highway, you can expect to meet him there. He traveled that highway, just like Zacchaeus pulled himself into the path of Jesus. Mm. And then he met Jesus there. Jesus changed him. He experienced mm. Jesus. So when we pull ourselves into God's way and we know their ways, pathways, highways, he travels. If by discipline, we pull ourselves in front of him in his way, we will experience him. Mm. So he has ordained congregational worship. You discipline yourself to go there. If your motive is right, you can expect to meet God there. He has ordained the word of God. So if you pull yourself into the word of God, Looking for him there, you can expect to meet him there. Mm. And that is true for all the biblical disciplines. So God reveals himself and allows himself to be experienced through certain ways. Mm. And so our job is to discipline ourselves and engage to seek him through the means he has given. The Lord's Supper is one. Mm, He's right. told us, do this in remembrance of me. So mm. in, in the congregational experience, if you pursue him, seek him by faith in the Lord's Supper, he promises that our souls are nourished and we experience grace in ways we, we don't in other ways, by other means. So all of the spiritual disciplines have, have unique blessings, I think. Otherwise, we wouldn't have them all. If you could mm -hmm. get 
through prayer what you get through fasting, well, then we, you know, we would need prayer to right. get and vice versa. So, um, he, he has been pleased to reveal himself and allow himself to be experienced by means of these spiritual disciplines. Our job is to discipline ourselves and engage them. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things I think when when I was uh, in particular, when I was younger, um, I, I would always hear these preachers and they would talk about having a desire to be in the word of God. I mean, it was like when I was in youth group, especially, it was always kind of like, you know, if you read the Bible, um, you will grow in your faith. And I was just like, I just I don't understand how reading a book um, can actually make you more like God. Um, and so I just want to be really clear and ask this question. When we practice these disciplines. Um, are we, and you've used this word several times, are we actually to expect to grow in Christ-likeness? Is that an expectation we can have? Yes, uh, we should. I mean, there's an expectancy. Uh, anything God promises, mm. we should have a sense of expectancy and anticipation. I yeah. think that's part of, right. of faith. But we should also realize it's not mechanical. Mm. That it's not just by, if you pass your eyes over the words of the Bible, yeah. then something magic happens. Right. No, he says in one place, you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Mm -hmm. There is a, a seeking that is involved. Um, so seeking involves, you know, an intentionality, looking for him. But also growth through a book happens in part because of instruction. Mm -hmm. uh, just like anything that you learn from, any secular subject you grow somewhat in your knowledge of world war ii if you read a book on world war ii we can speak of that as, as growth in your understanding of you know that global conflict so uh, when we read the bible there's factual information that helps us but it's also that it's it's a living book isn't it that's what the the bible claims for itself it's living right. and active and that makes it unique and so uh it it's able to pierce the soul, it tells us. And so God's spirit works through this living book and into our souls. Jesus said, the words I speak to you are spirit. They are life. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a supernatural element to the words of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Again, that's not just automatic, but there is, it must be sought by faith. But that, that's how we can we can grow and it also as we said instructs us how to do things that when we do them rightly we experience god through them it's through the word that we find out about the other disciplines and as mm -hmm. we practice them rightly they become means through which god works and we experience him right right um and that that's really helpful thank you for that answer um so so what do we do uh, in our moments of lethargy, just the busyness of life, or uh, honestly, just outright laziness that we sometimes can face. Um, uh, let's say, let's use Bible reading uh, as as the example, because I think a lot of people in January, or well, December, the last week of December, everybody's getting ramped up, maybe for a good Bible reading plan, they're excited. Uh, maybe this is the 10th, or maybe it's only the first time they're, they're committing to read through the entire Bible. Uh, well, when, when life happens um, and maybe we stop our Bible reading plan or we get behind and we get discouraged, um, in those moments, and, and you can extend that to any of the spiritual gifts, in those moments, what do we do? Do we just pick back up and 
start again or or do we restart? How do we actually uh, walk away not discouraged and enter back into being disciplined? Well, that's why I, I recommend Bible plans that give a little bit of flex mm. in every month because everybody's going to miss. People's right. kids are going to get sick. You're going to get sick. Travel happens. And so I, I wouldn't plan on a, a Bible reading plan that requires 365 days to do in right. a year because you're, some things are going to happen. But you're, you're referring to someone who's already in a plan and now they are behind and now, you know, what, are, what do they do? Well, no one says they have to finish that plan in, you know, by January 1st. Right. Uh, you know, that's a great goal. And, and I try to do that, but okay, maybe it takes them until February 1st and then they start again. No, you know, that that's okay. Or it may be they can set aside a few times where they can, you know, get caught up a little bit. But your bigger question is, you know, what do you do just in general? I think mm -hmm. if you're exhausted it, or it's not profitable, frankly, you read it, you close it. You don't remember a thing you've read. Why am I doing this? It's, is it a waste of time? Well, I, I think we're profiting from it more than we realize, even if we don't perceive any profit. Second, let me say that sometimes getting into the Bible is like medicine. Sometimes it's like dessert. And you, you take your medicine because you know it's good for you. I assume anyone listening to this is old enough to uh, know they need to brush their teeth. Right. Uh, nobody enjoys brushing their teeth, but they know, okay, you're responsible uh, adult now. You know there's good reason to do it, and so you do it whether you want to do it or not. Right. And it's kind of that way with the Bible. We realize, I know this is good for me, even though I don't feel good right now or, I, you know, I'm not getting anything out of it. And you say, look, by faith, I, I trust this is beneficial for me. I find it always very easy to excuse myself. So I'm not going to fall prey to that. So I, I'm going to do it because I know it's good for me. And furthermore, I know that I can't expect good things to happen from the word if I'm not in the word of God. Mm -hmm. When I was a pastor, I, you know, there were, I, I would preach and nothing would happen. I'd preach and it seems like nothing would happen. And, you know, I just wanted to quit sometimes. But I, I realized that good things aren't going to happen from the pulpit if I don't show up and just keep unlocking my study, mm. keep preparing the next sermon. It's in the midst of those things that the things I desire will happen. Right. You know, the things I desire aren't going to happen if I quit preaching. And so, you know, it's just the faithfulness to persevere. And uh, that's that way in your personal devotion life. And realize, too, that, uh, y you know, we have seasons. I mean, I've just been through, you know, terrible four days in terms mm -hmm. of you know, overwhelmed and up till six o'clock, two nights in a row and things like that. And there are those seasons in life. You have children that get sick and stay up. And, and then sometimes you're just blah. And, you know, our emotions and our physical abilities will be up and down and, spiritual growth just like physical activity there's a discipline that says i'm going to do this regardless of how i feel mm. i mean any kind of you know even junior high or high school athlete will has to show up for practice right or they won't stay on the team and so they may have a headache they may have a big test tomorrow but they they have to go to practice right no matter how they feel and uh, moms have to prepare meals for their children, uh, even if they really would rather be taking a nap. Right. Dads have to get up and go to work, even though maybe they've got a cold and they don't they don't feel like it. And so um, a maturing Christian says the same thing about the spiritual disciplines. I mean, the classic case is Sunday morning. How many Sunday mornings do you wake up and your first thought is, boy, I don't feel like going today? <laughs> 
But what makes you different from your neighbor when you overcome the inertia, you throw the covers off, you stagger to the bathroom, and you get ready, and most of your neighbors won't do that. Right. Is it because you're better than they are? No, because that's the work of the Holy Spirit, who gives you the desire and the power to do what you normally would not do. And so, in the same is true with your daily intake of the Word, for example. He doesn't get you out of bed, drag you to the desk, force you to put your head down, force your hand open the Bible, and force your fingers to turn the pages of the Bible, and force your eyes back and forth. No. You know what, Tyler? All of that feels like you. Mm. It all feels like it's coming from you. And that's the way it usually is with all the spiritual disciplines. The spiritually, spiritual disciplines usually feel like all of you. Let me show you that in the Bible. Mm-hmm. In the last verse of Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians 1.28, it's talking about his ministry of making people mature in Christ. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about his ministry of leading people to Christ, discipling them into maturity, to make everyone mature in Christ. Now, verse 29, for this... This ministry, preaching, teaching, discipling, for this, I toil, comma. Mm. Well, so far, who is toiling? Paul. Right. Right? Paul is the one who went to bed tired at night, not God. For this, I toil, comma, struggling with all his, God's, energy that he powerfully works within me. Mm. So it felt like all of Paul. He toiled and it, you know, he, he worked to the point of exhaustion. But as he lay down at night and thought, am I going to get up and do this tomorrow? Man, that was exhausting. Those stones hurt. Mm-hmm. Those accusations hurt. Those, uh, those discussions and uh, witnessing to these people and preaching took so much energy and mental strength and time. Am I going to get up and do this again tomorrow? Yeah. You bet I am. Yeah. Where did that come from? All glory to God. So it felt like all of Paul, but all the desire and the power came from God. And that's exactly the way it is with going to church, or that's the way it is with your personal spiritual disciplines. It, it, God gives you the desire and the power to overcome the inertia, to actually sit down with your Bible. But you know what? Don't expect to sort of float through all this. It's going to feel like it's all coming from you. Right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, yeah. And thank you for reading that scripture passage too. How encouraging uh, for, for all of us. You, you mentioned there in that answer, uh, in particular moms and, and maybe people who are in the, the marketplace working. So, so let's say they, they realize they have a limited amount of time and that they are, are probably not going to give their best effort towards journaling. They really want to focus on Bible intake and prayer. Uh, but there are a lot of distractions. There are a lot of things they need to take care of. Uh, and they have just a limited amount of time when they're reading through the Bible and maybe they're just taking smaller sections. Can they benefit from short periods of time taking in God's word? And if so, what are they looking for? Because I think a lot of times we, we think we have to have these massive chunks or multiple chapters to have really gained anything, uh, good from our time. Uh, but what about those people who have just a short period of time and they dedicate themselves to being in the Word uh, for the 10 or 15 minutes that they have? Well, certainly they can profit from that. And uh, that, that's real life. Uh, m- most of us don't have 
uh, all the the time we would like to devote to the spiritual discipline. Right, right. But let's say a person only has 10 minutes. Well, my first advice is don't read for 10 minutes. Read for five minutes. Mm. Meditate for five minutes. It's far better to read less of the Bible if necessary. I'm not advocating that. You know, we talked about reading through the Bible on a regular basis. But right. on a given day, it's far better to read less of the Bible and remember something than to read more and remember nothing. Right. And without meditation, people can read and read and read and close their Bible and not remember a thing they've read. I think meditation is the greatest single devotional need of most Christians. Mm. So I would advocate if you only have 10 minutes, read for five minutes, meditate for five minutes. Now, my spiritual disciplines book, I have 17 different ways to meditate on scripture. There's not just one way, mm -hmm. but 17 different ways to focus on the text of the Bible. And, uh, and I think it's, it's through this that we experience spiritual reality. This is how we taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I think most people say, I've read my Bible every day for all these years. I can't remember the last time I experienced the presence of God. I th I, my argument is th then you, you haven't meditated. Right. It, meditation is where the information on the page becomes experience in our hearts and minds. So that would be my, my point. The greatest single devotional need is meditation on scripture. And if you do that, even for just five minutes or, or less, even you'll find that you can remember it and then do exactly what Joshua one, eight talks about being able to meditate day and night. Mm. Um, as you're driving into work, as you're in a drive through somewhere, if you wake up in the middle of the night, you should be able to say, what was that verse? Right. Oh, yeah. And you can bring it back any time of the day or night, whatever you're doing. So if you can't remember anything that you read, well, that's just a simple test that says you did not sufficiently meditate. If I had the power to change a devotional life of every person, every Christian on the planet, it would be right here. Mm. Meditation on scripture. So uh, that you can get a great deal of profit in 10 minutes that way. But let's talk about prayer now. I think that there is likewise an almost universal problem in mm -hmm. prayer. Mm -hmm. And it looks like this. People, when they do pray, tend to say the same old things right. about the same old things. Right. And Tyler, that's boring. <laughs> Pretty soon that becomes boring. Words without variety eventually become words without meaning. And when there's no meaning, it's boring. When prayer is boring, you don't feel like praying, do you? Right. Yeah. If you don't feel like praying, you tend not to pray. Right. I think that's an almost universal problem. And there is a simple, permanent biblical solution to that problem. Mm. When you pray, pray the Bible. Mm. I think the easiest place to do this is in the Psalms, but you can do it wherever you happened to read uh, that day. If it's Psalm 23, for example, you, you read the first line, the Lord is my shepherd. And then you say something like, Lord, I thank you that you are my shepherd. Mm. Shepherd my family today. Shepherd them into the ways of God. Shepherd me today as I have this decision before me. I pray for under shepherds at the church. Shepherd them as they shepherd us. Mm. When nothing else comes to mind, go to the next line. I shall not want. Well, Lord, I think you have never really been in want. I haven't missed many meals, but I, I know it pleases you that I, you, I bring my desires to you. My, so would you provide those finances we need for mm. those bills, mm. for the car, for school? Or you know someone who is in want? 
And you simply go through the passage line by line, talking to God about whatever comes to mind from the text. If you don't Mm -hmm. understand a verse, fine, skip it, go to the next one. And, you know, you can do that for four minutes or four hours. Mm -hmm. I require my students to spend four consecutive hours alone with God. And once I've taught them about meditation and praying the Bible, you just alternate between those two. And most of them tell me they spent more than four hours. Right. They never run out of anything to say when they're praying the Bible like that. So anyone can do that. The problem I should add is not that we pray about the same old things. To pray about the same old things is normal Mm -hmm. because our lives tend to consist pretty much about the same old things from one day to the next, our family, our future, our finances, work or schoolwork, your church, your ministry, Christian concern, and the current crisis. And that's your life. Yep. I mean, there, there's almost nothing that doesn't relate to those six things. And right. thank the Lord, those six things don't change dramatically every day. And so if you're going to pray about your life, and your life is comprised of those six things, basically, and they don't change very often, that means you're going to pray about the same old things just about every time. The problem is when we say the same old things. And a simple, permanent, biblical solution that anybody can do is to pray the Bible. Mm. And maybe they, in fact, a little secret here, praying the Bible is is one of the 17 methods of meditation Mm. I talk about. When you look at a verse, you think about it, and you talk to God about it, you look at it again, you think about it some more, talk to God about it, well, you're meditating. Right. That's that's one way of meditating, soaking in that verse. Right. Well, and and two, um, so so I took your spiritual disciplines class uh, when I was at Southern. I think I maybe took it my first semester, um, and thankfully, but also somewhat embarrassing, um, I had never really heard about praying the Bible, um, like you laid out for us in class. And actually one day, uh, I'm not sure if you still require this. I, I bet you do. You have us go out on campus. Uh, we have, I can't remember if you have a set passage for us or we pick something that we've been reading, uh, whatever it was, but it was in the Psalms for sure. Uh, and I just sat I, I can't even remember where I was, but I was somewhere on campus outside and I just remember uh, starting to pray and realizing, oh my goodness, my prayer is so structured. Like it it has a, a, a clear beginning and it has a clear end and there are clear points all along the way. I don't need to kind of make anything up here. Um, and that was transformative uh, just in terms of kind of seeing these cues in the verse itself to to be praying through. But the other thing I've noticed as I've continued in this uh, pattern is, uh, and this is kind of maybe some encouragement I would give someone who doesn't feel like they have a lot of time, uh, what you said, reading the Bible, then meditating on it, and then praying what you read, you can turn 10 minutes into hours of your day Mm -hmm. to meditate and to pray. You don't always need to have, and most likely you won't have, the perfect environment to do that. But you can read and think and meditate and pray about that uh, truth or that promise or whatever it is uh, all day long. Yeah. And so you end up finding out at the end of the day, wow, I've actually been thinking about this verse for for two hours almost. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's something that sometimes we either don't realize or something that we forget um, and that the spiritual disciplines teach us and, and help us with. Well, remember that Joshua 1.8 and Psalm 1.2 which are the passages about meditation and talks about meditating day and night. Yep. Those passages were given to Joshua and David. 
they were the the civic, the military, the judicial ruler of more than two million people, mm. men with more responsibility than all of us put together. And yet, how could God expect those incredibly busy men right. to meditate day and night? Because remember, the other things they had to do were God's will for them to <laughs> right to go you know to to lead the country to lead battles to do uh to judge cases they were the supreme court you know yep. all by themselves that's god's will too so how do you do those things that are god's will and yet do one thing day and night yeah in the same way you could say how can a student go to class that's god's will for their lives and meditate day and night how can a how can a, 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 an adult man or woman go to work or, or do their work around the home that that's god's will too and meditate day and night well the only possible way is once during the day maybe during 10 minute period you absorb scripture in such a way that the rest of the day as you are doing the other things god wants you to do mm. you can bring it to mind as i said maybe you're commuting and you can say what was that verse you're eating a meal or you're just you know whatever mm -hmm. you're you wake up in the middle of the night you should be able to say what was that verse oh right. yeah and you bring it back again and so that's how you meditate day and night but you have to absorb it once during the day in such a way that you can bring it back later right yeah yeah amen and and that's uh that's a helpful word uh so one of the most uh, neglected, well, I, I'm, that's a pretty big claim, but one of the most neglected, I think, uh, spiritual disciplines, uh, and maybe one of the most misunderstood, I think, would be fasting. I think a lot of people, they don't even know where to start with fasting. They don't know what it is. They don't know what purpose it serves. So could you help us to understand it a little bit better? Yeah. Well, fasting is mentioned, believe it or not, more often than something as important as baptism. Mm -hmm. I might count about 77 times for fasting and 75 for baptism. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's a shock to a lot of people. Yep. And so that tells us one thing, uh, it's important. Right. Um, and there there are different kinds of fasts mentioned in the Bible. Perhaps we can delineate those in a bit if it's helpful. But the biggest surprise for a lot of people is that fasting is expected by, by Jesus mm -hmm. of his followers. And, uh, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, it talks about uh, giving, praying, and fasting. And the language is parallel, and we will use those passages to teach giving and to teach prayer. You know, when you pray, do it like this. When you give, do it like this, and don't do it this way. Right. And then when you fast, do it this way and not this way. But also in, um, in Matthew uh, 9, 14 and 15, he made it very clear. Uh, he said, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. So he says, his followers, when the bridegroom is taken away, and that's now, our bridegroom mm -hmm. is in heaven, uh, that's when his followers will fast. And we know that his followers were fasting in the book of Acts, for example. Right. Uh, so for a lot of people, that's, that's a big surprise. But the most important thing I'd want to communicate is that fasting is to be done for a, a biblical, God-centered purpose. Mm -hmm. The biggest mistake for people who do fast is that it tends to be a miserable, self-centered experience. And here's how you know you're doing it wrong. If when you're fasting, 
Whenever your stomach growls, your head aches, and you realize, man, I'm hungry. <laughs> well, your next thought is going to be, well, dumb. I'm hungry because I'm fasting today. If your next thought is, you know, how long till this is over, mm-hmm. you're doing it wrong. Right. And that, that is, as I said, a miserable self-centered experience by which we hope to please God by causing ourselves to suffer. And the only suffering that impresses him is the suffering that Jesus did mm. on our behalf. But I remind you, fasting is God's idea. Remember, it's in the Bible 77 times. So here's what it should look like. When your stomach growls, your head aches, and you say, man, I'm hungry. Your next thought automatically is, well, I'm, duh, I'm fasting today, so I'm hungry. Your next thought ought to be, and I'm fasting for this biblical purpose. Mm. In my Spiritual Disciplines book, I summarize them into 10. Most, mo- the most common one is prayer. So, for example, Tyler, let's say you're praying for someone's salvation. Every time you get hungry, you're reminded to pray for that person's salvation. That was your purpose. I want to fast today for the salvation of so-and-so. So every time you get hungry, that's a physical reminder. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you're, fat, you're praying for that person. And so that's why your hunger serves you. It's actually a good thing. Um, and so it's, I like the title of Piper's book on this, uh, Hunger for God. Mm-hmm. Fasting is, is when you're hunger for God to do something, to answer a prayer, to move in a certain way. When your hunger for that exceeds your hunger for the next meal. Right. Is there never a time you want something from God more than you want lunch? And so th- this is how you express that with these biblical ways uh, for these biblical purposes. It's not automatic. Once again, uh, we're to seek God by faith through this. But we, we use a means God has chosen, mm. fasting, for these um, biblical purposes. Now, there are always people listening to this who will be pregnant or get migraines if they don't eat or uh, some other f- health issue. We want to be sure we're real clear on this. We're not asking anyone to do anything that would cause them some you know physical harm or mm. harm to their unborn child. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. But... For most of us, our flesh looks for excuses. Right. And I find that where there's a will, there's a way. And and uh, in the book, I talk about something called a partial fast uh, based upon something in the book of Daniel where people who uh, need some uh, get their nu- minimal nutritional intake, maybe by they have a balanced meal, but much smaller portions. Right. Or maybe they eat one simple food, just like rice or just bread. So they don't get the pleasure of eating, mm-hmm. but they get the minimum of whatever they need to keep from having a bodily reaction that could be harmful. And so this is why that you want to feel hunger or you want to feel you're missing something mm. so that that longing will cause you to, to pursue your biblical purpose. For example, you might you know use that moment to pray. Yeah. No, thank you for, for helping us understand that better. Um, and I, I think too, I, that when I, I remember reading the book for the first time, and being so surprised that fasting was mentioned more than baptism, uh, because every church—well, that's that's an exaggeration. Uh, solid churches believe baptism is really important. Um, What's mentioned seventy-five times? Seventy-five times. Uh, but baptism fasting is is more. a very important uh, discipline for our lives. Uh, so, with uh, maybe this final time we have, would would you have maybe a final uh, encouraging word for people in, in terms of the spiritual disciplines? Well, this is doable by normal people. Mm. Uh, this isn't the way that 
you know, God has given only to uh, people who are, are full-time, uh, you know, evangelical monks or evangelical <laughs> nuns, something like that. Uh, God's people are overwhelmingly uh, lay people. They're men and women who are parents mm -hmm. who are overwhelmed and overworked. Uh, they are, uh, they have plenty to do in their lives. They're not looking for things to do. And yet, uh, as, as life gets busier and busier, these must become priorities. And there are seasons in which we can devote more time to them than others. You know, a mom of young children, uh, I mean, my daughter has, you know, a a four and a half year old, a two and a half year old, and a newborn. <laughs> and, you know, this is a season of life that's different in terms of her discretionary time, perhaps as a, you know, compared to me, even right. though I probably get less sleep than she does, but right. still, I have more control over my time. It's not being, has the demands of three little ones. Right. So there are seasons in which you may be able to devote more than, than others, but I, I would encourage you with uh, a, a phrase from the Gospels where Jesus commends the woman for uh, uh, you know, breaking the alabaster vial and pouring it on her feet, his feet, and there were complaints. This has been wasted; could have been given to the poor. And Jesus said, "Leave her alone. She has done what she could." Mm. And I, I wrote a book called "Simplify Your Spiritual Life." Mm -hmm. Chapters are just two pages long. There, there are ninety of them. You try to do all of that; it will complicate your spiritual life. But just you know, a garden of ideas that hopefully will help people simplify their spiritual lives. And one of them is called Do What You Can. Mm -hmm. And in it, I tell the story of, of a friend uh, named Jean Fleming. Jean and her late husband, Roger, were, were kind of mentors to us in, in discipleship. And Jean, when she first met Roger, uh, she was a brand new Christian. And they had both begun to serve one summer at uh, the Navigator's headquarters at Glen Airy, Colorado, mm -hmm. Retreat Center. And boy, it's just boot camp discipleship. She was <laughs> Bible study early in the mornings. She served in the cafeteria, you know, all day. Mm -hmm. She'd have, they'd go out and service projects and witnessing and then nighttime discipleship. I mean, it was just 24 to 7 discipleship. And of course, she, you know, she grew like a weed and uh, she, she met Roger and they got married and then boom, 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 they've got three in diapers at once. Mm -hmm. And she went from this 24 seven boot camp discipleship to three in diapers. And she said it almost, you know, sank her uh, spiritually. Yeah. But she did what she could. And so she, this is back in the days you had to sterilize bottles and you had cloth <laughs> diapers. She put Bibles all over the house, you know, by the changing table yep. in the kitchen, uh, all over the place. And so maybe she's changing a diaper and she looks over and gets one verse. Yeah. I mean, she's used to reading the Bible for hours every day. She got one verse. She said it almost killed her, but she did what she could. And as the time expanded, the kids got older. She was that, that verse became a paragraph. Mm. The paragraph became a chapter. That chapter became several chapters. And I heard Jean mm. say to, to women on three different occasions, you, you think that because of your situation, you don't have time now, you'll, you'll practice the disciplines when you have more time later. She says, no, you won't. Mm -hmm. you're, you're developing habits now. And if you excuse yourself now, you'll excuse yourself later. Yeah. And so it may not be all you'd like to do, but do what you can. And then as the time expands, so will your devotion to these 
these disciplines. So I would say to people, wherever they are right now, do what they can. Mm-hmm. Don't want to put anyone under some legalistic obligation, but remember, uh, in, in this day where everybody's afraid of legalism, uh, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness is a command. Right. So there has to be a way to obey it without legalism. Right. The strictest obedience, Tyler, to the absolute letter of the law of God is never obedient, is never legalism if your motive is right. Right. I mean, you're you're married, so do you expect your wife to be faithful to you 100% of the time? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's isn't that kind of legalistic, you know? I mean, don't you give her let her have a break, you know, like every 100 days, give her one day of unfaithfulness? I mean, come on, don't be legalistic mm-hmm. in that kind of expectation of faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you do demand, you do expect faithfulness, and it's not legalistic. I mean, you hope that her motive is right, yeah. Uh, but you'll take even faithfulness with a bad motive, right? <laughs> right, right. And so, it, faithfulness is is not a legalistic thing. It can become that. And I tell you, for every real legalist I come across today, I come across ninety nine antinomians. To use yep. the seminary word here, that people yep. who just say, "Well, it doesn't matter," right? And grace will cover it. <laughs> well, again. Obedience is never legalism if your motive is right. Right. The disciplines aren't automatic. They're not mechanical. Our motive needs to be right. But there is a way to practice these disciplines that isn't legalistic. Yeah. Jesus did. Paul did. That's what we shoot for. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for that encouraging word. Uh, and and Dr. Whitney, again, just thank you so much for your time. Uh, I know you're very busy, especially there at Southern Seminary, but thank you for dedicating and, and giving us this encouraging word on the spiritual disciplines. Uh, and I do, uh, you mentioned it several times, I do encourage everyone uh, to, to pick up Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life uh, by Donald Whitney uh, and be helped by that book. I, I know that for you that was certainly a labor of love and many people have been benefited by that and continue to be benefited. And so if you're listening and you're wondering, okay, well, this was a great conversation, but I wish there was more. Well, there is. Uh, there's that book and then there's even one for Congregational Spiritual Disciplines. And so again, uh, go pick that up. But uh, thank you, Dr. Whitney, for your time and for just this really really encouraging, great conversation. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me as your guest. And I'm not here to sell books, but I really want to mention Praying the Bible. Yeah. Uh, what we talked about there is in a, in a little book. And more and more, Tyler, I think the main reason God put me on the planet is, is except for preaching the gospel, is to share that message. So um, uh, there's that little book, Praying the Bible. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, Dr. Whitney, again, thank you so much. Yeah. You're very welcome. <laughs>